Philadelphia. I'm Joel Embiid. Like, I want the ball. You can use John with anything. You could be like, yo, them Johns is hot. Them your shoes, you know what I'm saying? So it can mean anything. Welcome to this week's edition of the Fly Zone. I am your host, Deshaun the Connect Carter, and I'm I'm joined with Candace McLean. We are the Fly Zone, the Philly centric podcast. We're talking everything Philly, down to sports and social cultural events, and everything else. How you feeling, they can? Welcome to episode eight, man. Uh, I'm sorry, we, we forgot to, to we forgot to tell them where to tap in, where to say we can, you can listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. And social yes. media platforms, tap in with us on Instagram. Instagram, we are where it can. Uh, the period fly zone and on Twitter at the fly zone. That's T H E P H L Y zone. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tap in with us, man. Tap in with us. Follow, Episode eight, like man. Us, retweet, do all that. Do all that good stuff. All that good stuff. Show us some love. How you feeling, Ken? We're at episode eight, man. With Thomas flying. I feel great. I feel great. I had a great I had a great week. Shout out to the steak forty eight for that great dinner I had on Monday. <laughs> for Yo, that great the steak for that great dinner I had on Monday. Yeah, they're gonna oh, definitely yeah. get some of my money soon. Great place. If you if you're looking for a good steak, a good great service, steak forty eight, shout out. They treated me right on Monday. Fantastic. And actually they had it looked like they had a black head chef to me. I was like, wait. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was at the chef's table and it was looking at the black hat chef and the girl on bread was a black girl. And she definitely waved to us through the through the chef table. And I was like, she was, she seemed excited for us to be there. She was like, Oh my god. <laughs> oh my, my god, is it black people? <laughs> you have to do the Wakanda Wakanda pose real quick. <laughs> I'm a, am I cooking for my people? She probably she said, I'm hooking this shit up. <laughs> and her bread was fantastic. Thank you, sis. So, <laughs> she said, I'm I had a great week. Up. My folks in the house. Y'all tripping. Great week. Great week for the culture. <laughs> no, that's great though. That's what's up. Stake 48. Shout out to y'all. But um, moving along, as we all know, um, on Sunday, October 11th, the Los Angeles Lakers uh, defeated the Miami Heat 106-93 in Game 6 in the NBA Finals. Um, their roster, actually the um, the starting lineup actually looked like this. Alex Caruso with 4 points. Danny Greens with 11 points. Catavius Cotwell-Pope with 17 points. LeBron James with 28 points. And Anthony Davis with 19 <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't not laugh. I can't. I told you, the fact that Alex Caruso started on an NBA Finals team and won a championship, came out there with his goggles and shirt off, doing the J.R. Uh, Smith special. Um, Listen, I even laugh when, when I'm watching Sports Center and I'm seeing his highlights. I'm like, well, just, he got a section on Sports Center. Like this is a joke. And he well, started, how long were the highlights? The highlights were all the thirty seconds. Okay, but, thank you. I'm like, how long can the Alex Caruso real be? Yeah, but which is crazy to think when you think of uh, a roster like the Sixers, who has uh, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Al Horford, Al Horf Tobias Al Horford, Harris, Tobias, Josh Richardson, and you think of a, ta a a talented starting five like that, and you say, "Damn, what, what's what? What are we not doing that we can't be a, a championship contender?" Because that starting five that I just named, that I just rolled out, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, yeah. that's the that's what that's yeah. what they missed like, because. I feel like that's what they would need to win Josh a championship. Richardson, if Josh Richardson played Alex Crusoe one on one, you would have to. They would call Philly PD on him because he'd be a murder case. I don't know he if would, Caruso would score. I I believe it. I agree. I he wouldn't even know. score. No, no chance. No chance. It, it's just so interesting. Like obviously, you get Caldwell Pope and 
I would, in a, a world where he would be on Ben Simmons or he's at the four or what, I don't even know. Tobias, it's either it's Tobias Harris on Caldwell Pope and Danny Green on Simmons. I like what. I'm Seriously. not gonna get frustrated. I'm not gonna do it to myself. And you, and you know, the, you know what's really crazy about that? I feel like so they, they the finals went six games. If the Sixers played the Heat in any series, they might have gotten swept with that same line that we're talking about right now. They might have gotten swept. So what is the difference? Like what do what is what does the Lakers have that we don't have with the with, with the clearly better starting five? Yeah, the the thing is obviously we both agree LeBron is the best player in in, in the NBA right now. Hands He's down. an all-world talent. AD is very talented. I am not going to be a person that says AD is one of the best big men of all time. I do not believe AD is like one of the like you know people saying he's in the pantheon great big men. I don't see it because uh, quite honestly, every time Embiid has played AD, he has destroyed his life. Even though he plays at the four, when he's in New Orleans, that wasn't even a real thing. Yeah. Um, but he's a very good big man. I'm not trying to negate him. He's a very he's a top tier best big man in the NBA. I yeah, think Embiid's more three. talented than him. Yeah, he's top three. Embiid's more talent, raw talented than him, but he's a top tier big man. The rest of that lineup is garbage. The rest of that lineup is dollar, dollar general, dollar tree shopping. No, no. not saying garbage. Yeah. It's just like it's not. It's not far from garbage. Their talent level, the talent, yeah, the talent level is in the in the toilet. But the reality is, what they have is the two stars they do have are buying in, meaning, AD. In his in his unibrow is committed to winning at least enough. Mm-hmm. I'm, he's not even a hard. He's not even a player who goes hard. Really, he's very casual in his game. He shoots his layups. He gets he he got a little aggressive. And I will commend him. I think they switched him to the five on a game on game five, so he can actually play at the the center position. That's why I can't tell you he's called what Pope started. Yeah. Um. So he did go into the paint, which well, it wasn't that hard to do because we all know Bam is like a, a young pup anyway. He's not he's not a aggressor in the yeah. paint. Ain't no Linux. Come on. And so what you have is LeBron, who's an all-world talent, and AD, who is great, and the rest of them, it, it all falls in line. The problem is our all-world talent is Embiid. He's, we said before, arguably, when he plays, he's the most talented player on the floor outside of if Durant's on the floor, if LeBron's on the floor, if if Steph Curry's on the floor, if Westbrook's on the floor. Uh, and how, like outside of that, like he, you start arguing if he's more talented than Harden. Probably is from a from a natural raw talent, physical, physical what he what he can do. He's one of the he's easily easily the most top the top five most talented player on the floor when he plays on the floor outside of those names. But our, but he's like out of shape, Come, and he extremely it, he he shape. likes basketball, but he's not passionate about it, and it shows. He likes to win, but he doesn't want to do everything it takes to win. Yep. That's the difference, and and you can see even with the Miami roster, like it was Jimmy and Bam, and obviously Hero's very good, and you know Duncan Robinson, but like similar, we have a more raw, talented roster than them, and like we said, whether it's LA or I would say Miami, what you prompted about if we would get swept, we could get swept by both those teams. Yeah, easy. easy. Our stars check out one star that we have who's all, who is an all world talent who could be this like great big man of all time if he bought in. Has, is mentally checked out. He checks in. He thinks it's like, you know, the day's in. Mm-hmm. He checks in and checks out when he wants to. And Ben Simmons, he's passionate about winning. He actually, I mean, I saw him on Instagram today. He's in the gym again. He yeah, doesn't have him. the all-around game yet as far as the shoot to, like, impact the game where we need it. Or our roster doesn't have it, you know, as far as the shooting and everything I, else. I think when, so the I reality think when is when our two stars. can be aggressive consistently throughout the entirety of a game, that's when he'll reach that next level. 
when he can turn it up for a whole game and not just like a half or a quarter and he can keep that thing going all season, then that's when he's going to hit that 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 next level and really take the, hit the ground running. For but do you think that even in a world where Ben Simmons gives us everything he has, and I think Ben Simmons is close to that, he works, he has his work ethic is obviously clear. He works hard. Yeah. If Ben Simmons reach, actualizes his potential, the team still can't win a championship without Ben MB doing it as well. Oh no! Hell I don't no. think Ben Simmons, hell no. his skill set can carry a team to championship. Look at Giannis. Like look, Le- LeBron can't carry a team to a championship by himself. Like he has to have there has to be a Batman and Robin scenario or multiple star scenario, you know? Yeah. Even absolutely. if we get him Simmons to do everything that people say he wants to do, which is like the shooting and everything else, like it it takes us over the top with an Embiid. No, it so does. So my biggest trepidation, yeah. No, it does. And I think my biggest trepidation the, is just like, ugh. No, I was saying, like, I think I agree with you wholeheartedly. I feel like that's the that's what we're missing. The thing is, the thing with LA has that we don't have is a LeBron James. Is <laughs> a LeBron James. So you agree. The problem is the reason why for the question of what what if we have a championship championship caliber roster, but we don't have a chance a championship caliber hardware or not, we don't have the championship hardware. If that's the question, why why is that the case? It's Embiid. That's what we both just said. Yeah, it's been, it is. Way. It is. It is Embiid. He's <laughs> if if Embiid could be half half as locked in as LeBron James is all the time. Who knows what oh, yeah. happened? Who knows? It's sky's the limit. Honestly, he would be giving us thirty and fifteen, thirty and eighteen nights. I mean, yeah. If yeah. he came in in shape, and the, and the, what makes me I, so upset about about that is that it's not even a big man league. So there's there's, there's hardly any post players in the league. There's, there's maybe like two post players, and he's one of them in the whole entire league. And you still don't dominate the paint. You still don't. You still choose to play play at the perimeter, shoot threes. Uh, your fifteen footers, which is cool because he's really good at making those. He's still out of shape, and you're still out of shape. So it's like even, <laughs> and, which is ridiculous because he, he even still been out of shape, he's still dominant. So if he takes it serious, yeah, he's, he's had. That's our main problem, and I gotta tell you, Sean, as much as we talked about the Doc Rivers hire, yeah. and all the hires the Sixers gonna make, it means nothing if he doesn't buy in. You can have a great coaching staff, you can draft the right people. We go. Obviously, with Simmons as well, but we go where Embiid takes us because he is the actual equalizer when it comes to all-world talent. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. So, the draft is coming up. The NBA draft is coming up November 18th. On, that's a Wednesday. Um, the, Sixers, the Sixers currently hold their 21st pick, which they acquired from the Thunder in the first round. They also have the 34th pick, which they got from the Hawks, the 36th pick, which they acquired from the Knicks, the 49th and 58th pick in the second round, which they got from the Orlando Magic. Um, now this is, I think they have five picks total, which is the most picks in the league. Shout out to folks <laughs> for that magic, the magic pick. <laughs> Good looking, my guy. But no, uh, looking <laughs> at some mock drafts, uh, let me know what you think about this, Ken. Looking at some mock drafts, they had the Sixers taking uh, Cole Anthony out of UNC, um, Josh Green out of Arizona, and they got him taking Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky. Um, my personal opinion, I watch a lot of UNC. I, I'm not afraid to say I'm a fan. But I'm not a big fan of Cole Anthony. I, I think he got he has so much. I think he can be a good player, but I think he, he's one of those players. I think that should it'll do him more justice to stay another year in college before he comes out. He's not ready. He's definitely yeah. A he's project. not. He's not and ready we, at all. We drafted. I want to say. Um, I was going to get into everything you just said about the the, the players, but obviously we have the most picks by any team in the NBA draft this year, and I, it's in line with what I'm about to say about. Anthony, which is like he's a project player. We left the draft last year with Matisse and Mario yep. Shayuk. 
Mario no, no, no. Project. We had him already. We traded all we our second round picks. Um, well, we, well, two yeah. years ago, yeah. So, like, we are constantly doing a thing where we trade away these second round picks, trade away picks, and we're constantly drafting over the last couple of years, as I've seen, project players or assigning project players, obviously, who aren't complete players yet. I mean, we haven't. Zaire Smith, uh, does, is he? He's a, he's a pulse, I'm is assuming, a, right? Oh, he's alive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh oh yeah oh, wow even, even though we in halloween season he is not a ghost <laughs> <laughs> i had um, no idea and so like before so it gets to my anthony's situation of like we got a project and shake milton and everything else i am not interested in being like you know pinocchio you gotta build a real boy i'm done with it which is why i'd rather have somebody like josh green who, whose jumper is already ready to go he just has other issues but i'd rather have a shooter we took shamit years ago away. He had other situations, but he at least mm-hmm. he can shoot. I'd rather have Josh Green from Arizona, who looks like his jumper is wet. It's just everything else going on in, the, in his life. Then to sit there and say, oh, well, we, that's another person who has to build up. We have to build their shot and everything else. I remember Brett Brown, RIP, play taps. <laughs> I remember Brett Brown talking about, well, we're going to try to build a shooter between Cork Moss, who's another project we drafted, between Cork Moss, all the other, we're going to try to develop a shooter. I need a shooter to come in here and just be ready. And that's to what go. I'm saying. I, I'm sick of drafting these guys that we have to like wait and see how he pans out. And you know, everybody's gonna have whoever you draft is gonna have to like work on something. That's like you're not gonna get past that. But I'm sick of drafting these whole science projects. Like, come on. Like you drafted Ben Simmons, you knew you needed a shooter. And I'm not mad at Simmons drafting Simmons. Simmons was it was the best pick in that draft, I feel like. But you knew it's like you're not good at developing players, and you, you still, even so today, you're not even hearing this man still won't shoot the ball. <laughs> so I feel like out, out of those three, I, mean, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I would kind of take Josh Green just, just based off of like fit wise, like the way this team is right now. I think he fits wise. Like he, he, he's a guy that can come in and, and just like kind of like find his way in a rotation. I feel like the, the kid uh, from Kentucky is probably the best player out of the three. Yeah, I, I think he's the Absolutely. best player out of the three, but he's a little ball dominant. And that'll take the ball out of Simmons' hands. So if I had to pick out of the three, I would probably pick Josh Green. But only if that, only if we can develop him. Only if we can develop him. And I'm hoping Doc can do that. Yeah. Man. In a world where, you know, whether production or not, like Green or Cole Anthony is gone and you're, you're, you, Tyrese Maxey is there, or the, there's another name like Kira um, Lewis Jr. and Tyrell Terry. I just want, like, at that point, if people, if you would take a co, if you would take straight up Josh Green and they're gone, like at this point, you gotta start asking yourself, well, what is the point? Of, what is the value of this first round pick? And can I get another player to establish the yeah. for this person? That's how I see it. Seriously, even if even if even if Green isn't available, I still would trade probably trade that pick for an established player, um, depending on who the yeah. player was. And I'm not against that. I'm not. And, and remember, we're talking about our first round pick. I'm not against that. Would you trade your first round pick for Buddy Hill? Buddy Hill and who else? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like Buddy Hill, but I don't think he's worth a first round pick. If I were getting Buddy Hill and something else in the NBA or, draft, or maybe is Buddy Hill better than Cole Anthony? Of course, but I don't. But I don't suggest they, the take, they take Cole Anthony. Honestly, is Buddy Hill better? He's than better than all Green? three of those guys. But that doesn't mean I spend a yeah, first round okay, pick on them because I'm not even sure I'm spending, spending a first round pick on these three guys. <laughs> so I can't say. Then let me ask you this: Are you spending a first round pick on a guard no, I'm anyway? Not. So what are you what, like? Yeah, I agree. Not. And I'm glad we're on the same page. I agree. I, we obviously talked about this. Yeah. I, we obviously talked about this because, like, 
Ari Mac draft right now, if you go anywhere from Yahoo to ESPN, has us taking a guard. But, I mean, obviously your take on it. I don't think our situation is a guard. I mean, we need shooting, obviously. But I do not trust our center depth. I don't trust our big men depth. Nope. I don't trust our And that's where depth. I would go. The league is, is so – there's so many good young players, so much good young talent in the league. I feel like we, we're, we're like light years behind. We got to catch up. The kid, uh, Dirk and OKC, I love that kid. I loved, I loved him in college. He was like a mini LeBron in college, he, and he's he's not that in OKC, but he's a he's what he needs to be. I think we need some wings, some athletic wings who can uh, score, shoot, defend. That's what I would go in the draft. I would go to the paint. To the paint. I ain't mad at you. I'm not mad at you. Absolutely. I would just go wing first. From injury standpoint, from Horford, I don't trust that if we stays in the team, whatever. Um, obviously, every mock draft has to go has gone to shooting, but honestly, you know. Especially when I think about the wings that would be available at that point, I think you know this guy Patrick Williams from Florida State is there. He's like 19 years old; right. he's not developed yet. Um, you got other people like you know uh, Jaden McDaniels. He played at Washington. Um, he it didn't really go well for him. And I, again, you be doing another project um, in a world where there's a pro. I will say in a world where there's a project player, I'd rather take a project player who's a sh- good shooter but can't do anything else like defend than a project big man. All day. But uh, speaking of developing, uh, another team looking over across the parking lot who's trying to develop another win this week, their second win this week, are the, the, obviously the Eagles, um, <laughs> who lost last week uh. to the Steelers uh, 38-29 on Sunday. Uh, Carson Wentz threw for he – threw for, he went 20 for 35 at uh, 258 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. One came from a miscommunication to Zach Ertz and the other one to Hail Mary at the end of the game. Zach Ertz was uh, 15 receiving yards for the last two games on 11 targets. We'll get into that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Miles Sanders <laughs> had 11 <laughs> carries for 80 yards. His longest was a 74-yard touchdown. Uh, Travis Fogan was a top receiver with 10 receptions, 152 yards, and a touchdown. Right? So, before we even before we jump on Ertz's ass, yeah. right? Because I'm jumping on his ass today. I'm not even going to lie to you. Before we do that, <laughs> before we go do that, off. I got one question for you. Is this guy Fogan legit? Do you think he's legit? And if you and if you do, if you think he is legit, by the time it's time for Alshon and Deshaun to come back, whenever God decides to lay his hand on those two, uh, those two black brothers. Let me take a sip of my drink before I answer this question real quick. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have a lot to say. Yeah. Okay. Because to the point yeah. is is Fogum legit? Yes. Because all I, I've okay. seen between between the 49ers game and the Steelers game. Have I seen his ability to separate? Correct. Yes. On the game winning touchdown against San Fran. Have I seen his ability to do intermediate routes? Intermediate routes against good corners. Yes, I've seen it. Joe Hayden. Yep. Is the only good thing they can't reckon by that so-called TBU <laughs> for Florida. And he, he used him a little bit. Yeah. Hilton is also a good slot corner. Have I seen his ability to do, to go on a slot? That over the shoulder catch in the at the 50-yard line on third down? Yes. yes. Yep. yep. Hell of a catch, any, too. Any, Hell any, of a catch. Yeah. Have I seen any drops? No. So you have separation, great hands, rock running, we're done. To the old fist <laughs> who call themselves receivers on our team, who who started ski mask season before yep. the holidays. <laughs> and the Sean Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. And by the way, I think Alshon Jeffrey's lying. I, I don't think I think he's healthy. I think this is all you disrespect you disrespect me, Eagles. I got a headache. He's I think he's money. healthy enough right now to run. The reality is they didn't put him on the pup. He did not put him on the pup because he'd be ready by by about six weeks for sure. Six weeks is up. And he's still hurt in air quotes. 
by that time, we've, we've been having hurt corners. We've cut players. We lost our draft pick, Casey Tuhill, just to keep this man on the active roster because we thought six weeks. And now it's like, oh, he's running on the sideline. He's at the practice doing routes, but he's not ready. What week is this? Injury is this week or five or six? Come on. Come on. It's six now. We're in yeah, six. Yeah, we're in six now, and he's still not ready. I think he's ready. I think this is more or less trade me, get rid of me, and I would happily oblige you, sir. Yo. You want first class? Economy, Greyhound, how you gonna get out of this town? Honestly, I would just let him so, go. And in a world where they both are healthy, with the Sean Jack, I mean, I don't even for the, for the question of in a world where the Sean Jackson's healthy, when when is that going? When be? exactly? When is that going to be? I'm I'm confused on this one, Jack. You got to help me out on this one, Jack. I wish Jack could call in or come on the show or something. Cause what's going on, bro? I was the first. You remember? The, do you remember the first of episode? Oh, it might have been the second episode when I'm like, "Yo, it's gonna be Deshaun's year." He was hurt last year. I was gassing it up. I'm gas. I'm giving it all the gas. I told you, Miles Sanders. I was right. He was definitely right with Miles Sanders. <laughs> I'm like, yo, and he goes, "What he do? The same week, first week, go down." Oh my goodness. He only gave us that Washington. That's all game. we had from Deshaun. He's only giving us the Washington game, week one last year, stealing money. It, it's so it, even it, it's, to a it's point still of ski season for them, for him and Alshon. <laughs> To a point of Travis Fogel, at least he's available. At least he's showing hands. And that's all I need. I think he's legit. And I think we need to go forward with this team as such that next year you have him at your year two and whether it's regular at your one. Like, I'm done with both these dudes. I'm done with both this DJX. I love you, DJX. I'll always remember you. <laughs> Pour out for him. But I'm done with him. Alshon, I never knew you. I never knew Alshon. Thank you for the catch. Thank you for the catch NC championship. Thank you for the catch in the Super Bowl. You have a fantastic 2017 season. I will never forget you. You also thank you for can the drop go. in the playoffs against the Saints. I would trade. I would trade Alshon for some Shoprite brand Parmesan cheese. I trade right Alshon now. right now for some M Ms. Give me some. Give me a pack of peanut M Ms. You got it. Peanut or regular? Peanut all day. Okay. Ain't, ain't, we ain't, ain't nothing regular around here. <laughs> there is no reality. In a world where DJX and Alshon were healthy right now against the Ravens this week, and they said, well, put Vogel on the bench, I would never be with that. There's no reality. No. For what? At yeah, all. For what? No. I wouldn't do it. I, I agree with you 100%. And why, the fact that you would, any fan who's thinking, oh, it's DJX is the fact that you would actually want to see what 30-year-old-plus receivers have in their tank, or which is likely the last year in Philadelphia for both of these people, as opposed to the young Rookie talent, you're crazy. Yeah, and uh, not to cut you off, I want to ask you another question because I feel like they asked Doug the same question. Uh, like, how do you, how do you, you know, do you still play Fogel once Deshaun and Jeffries come back? And Doug said in response, "It's a difficult thing. It's hard to say, Travis. We have to push you aside. We have a select four or five guys that we can give up that can give us the best chance for the game today. Travis, so he can play at a high level. But I think that's Doug saying, yeah, it's when it, when the guys come back, his time is over." Which is not what I want to hear from my head coach in a time like this. Okay, your 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 quarterback is struggling. Uh, he's found somebody that he feels comfortable with, who's actually catching the ball, who's who's actually getting separation, who's actually being a receiver. Besides Greg Ward, is no way you sit him who down. Who appears to know where is no way you sit him down. Who appears to know where the play is developing to, unlike Ertz when he sat down for that exactly. Pick, who Carson Wentz has a perfect passer rating to right now. With, and with the quarterback, yeah, there's trust. no way you sit him down. If if Doug sits him down, I'm sitting Doug down. <laughs> because, but no, seriously, because that's that's yeah, ridiculous. That's just that's literally just a bad coaching. Good coaches put you in the best position to win a game, and the best the best position to win a game is to have Fogelman and Phil with the quarterback who trusts them, running the routes that he trusts. So them shout out, shout out, shout out, 
And I think, and I really think yeah. Alshon. <laughs> Seriously, I really think Alshon is on some BS. I really think Alshon can act, could actually play this week. Could play it next week. I think he's just kind of like he's stealing money. Yeah. AJ Green. Y'all don't want me here. Y'all don't want me here. Yeah. I heard the fans talking trash. I'm not gonna risk myself to further injury. Where I can get me traded. I can get traded somewhere. And what's food for what? Why would I go out there and pull my hamstring because I'm not in shape? Uh, if y'all, if y'all want, y'all don't want me here anyway. That's what that, I think. That's exactly. Yeah, he, what he's, he's, what I think he's acting like a, a a petty girlfriend right now. He's acting like a petty girlfriend. A petty boyfriend. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but what, to a, a concern, a concern that's th- to me that's more pressing is my man Zach Ertz. Okay, let's talk about yes. Zach Ertz. Like I said, if you didn't if you didn't catch it before, he has 15 receiving yards on 11 reception or 11 targets. I'm sorry, in the last two games. Okay, and for me, <laughs> that is a problem. That's a problem for me. That's a huge yeah. problem for me, and that Especially should be that should for be a, a huge with money. exactly. That should be a huge problem for him since he's the one who's asking for more money. You're the one who having blowout arguments and with the GM in front of everybody for the world to see. Reporters, teammates, so unprofessional, so unprofessional. And then you go out on the field and you don't even show up. Come on, Ertz. Come on. And then he's dropping passes. He dropped that fourth down. What game was that? He dropped the fourth down. It wasn't last week. It might have been two weeks ago. No. Yeah. Ago. He dropped the fourth down. Game. No, I think it was a game we lost. I think it was a game we lost. Uh, we, I mean, we only won, we only won one. one. That's how I know it wasn't the 49ers. The Bengals game? Yes, yes, yes. The Bengals game. It was the Bengals. He dropped it on fourth. There's no way you're asking me for more money and you have not produced a thing. And this no. is why I'm losing respect for Zach It's not because they're having an off year. Everybody has off years or they, you know, the, you know, things just don't, don't work out the way you want them to. That's fine. It happens. But I really, I'm really getting jealous girlfriend vibes from him, too. I think he's upset. He's not. He's not mm-hmm. happy. He wants to. He, you know, he 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 really wants to throw a fit. But man, I, I I'm ready. I'm done. I'm give me Goddard. We can trade. I feel like we can get something nice for Ertz. We can get a first, second round pick. Probably even a first round pick for Ertz. That's what I say. I think it's all in Ertz's head. I I'll break this down in multiple situations. I think Ertz is not elite, which we all knew before he came this season. He didn't know that for some whatever reason. But he is not Kelsey. He is not. Kittle, because those two people are double teamed, whatever. They're the matchup from a focus um, for their offenses. They still eat. Um, and so you're not elite. After elite, which is Kittle and Kelsey, are you the next tier? Yeah. You run good routes. You have good hands. You have the trust of your quarterback. And okay. That's where you need to be. And that's where your money lies. The fact that he's going in his head, tossing over. Kittle's new contract and Kelsey's new contract is probably why he's playing so poorly. He hasn't played this. He hasn't played this poorly um, ever. I think even his rookie year, he's impactful. Uh, and so it's just kind of like it's pretty much showing that the contract is in his head. So I'm not going to sit there and like trash him for it because it's very human. You want you think you're undervalued. You only get paid. You only get paid your eight million dollars a year. You want more money. Uh, I mean, sorry, ten. You want more money. Um, okay. The problem is you have to produce on the field to get that money. Now, right now, do I think Dallas Goddard is better than Ertz? Absolutely hell no, not. Because he's not a, as good as a route runner. He has very good hands, but he's not at Ertz. No, he's, so, I don't think he's as talented if, as Ertz. Yeah, if Ertz can come down on that number he thinks he deserves, which is that the, the, the elite money, I would give it to him. Because when he's checked in, if Ertz has his mind right, which is the money clearly messing with his head, He's a top tier, top top five talent, tight end in the NFL. Okay, we I agree with that. I I that's what that's what I'm allotting to. He can't play apparently with this contract 
and the fan noise and everything else over his head. Now, if he comes down to say, you know what, give me 11 and a half instead of 13. Give me 10.8 with Sonoma. Fine. You can have it. Take it. You're still young enough. He's, he's 30. He's in his 30s, but he's not old 30s. You still have really good hands. It's just you can't you can't produce without, without – clearly, it's on your back. You're thinking about your family. You're thinking about whatever. To me, I actually don't care about him going back and forth with Howie because who, who cares about what who says with Howie? But yeah. to me, the rift has kind of created – like this was Car- – Carson Wentz and him were always on the same page. I have never seen what I saw, which is this week, which was like – Ertz and him on the wrong page, it results in an interception. I don't think I've ever seen that between I've Ertz never and seen it, and, and I think it's, it's coming off to me as like a lack of effort. And I think it's because he's not getting his con- because of his contract issues. And that's 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 what that's the part that makes me really upset. That really gets under my skin. Because if you're not if you're out there and you're not but even do you, trying. Do you fault somebody? Do I what? I don't think he's not trying. I just think it's in his head. I don't I think Ertz is a competitor. I don't I don't think he works out hard. He comes in shape, he's never out of shape. He's a competitor. I think it's beyond that. I think it's just that much in his head. I think he wants to excel. Uh, when he's going to touch down to open the season, he was fired up. He's running around. He does not want to lose. He's a competitor. I think it's just really a matter of this contract is in his head. And I'm not going to fault anybody in the league, especially with these kind of ownership that we have, where they can cut you and trade you anytime they feel like it, to have that money be a priority for them. As long as he comes down on what he thinks is owed, I don't, I'm fine. I'm just not paying you Kittle nope. and Kelsey money. Can't let that affect the way you play. Because even if you do stay here, even if you don't stay here, you're still no, you're still, you're still auditioning for another team still. You don't want them to think like, oh, no, he's washed up, he fell off. No, you still got to produce. That's human, though. Like, I, I don't – like, some players can be in the contract year and they'll ball. Some players can be in that contract year and they'll, it, it, it bothers them. And you see them when they get their money, they're fine. And he's I, letting I the contract affect his play. I don't think – and I don't I – don't, but I don't think you can do anything about that. I just think that's how he how he's wired. How yeah, he processes. He, he can't. He can't when, let it when go you're, on Sundays. When you being can't. a professional, I think you got to come out of that. You can't sulk in that. You can't let that affect your game. And I understand what you're saying. Like it's it's about being human. Everybody's different, and they are. But when you got, I feel like you got to be for your job, <laughs> what you do for a living. That's not you. You don't get that benefit of the doubt. If you want to work every day where you work at, and you feel like for the same job you're doing, they're paying you half the money. Or sixty for him, seventy percent of the money. Would you be able to go every day, clock in and clock out, and then have not have it, have it, it not affect me? But it can't affect my job. It can't affect my performance because now I'm jobless. If it's affecting my performance and how I'm, if it affects you, it will I, affect your job. I'm not saying you. Any, he's not. We're not talking about him getting fired. You're not going to get fired, so you're not going to be homeless, right? We're talking about like intricacies of your day, like like Graham route running. You like. You know the way you respond in the phone call. You're picking the phone up, so you're not gonna get fired. But you're like, you're kind of like, oh yeah, 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 going through the motion. That like that's human nature. If I feel disrespected, no, and I, I it's agree with that. Me. I just think you. It's, I'm not saying don't be bothered. That's what I mean. Let me just say that I'm not saying don't be bothered. I'm not telling him to be a robot or to say like it shouldn't affect. He shouldn't let it affect him. No, if it affects you, it affects you. But. You can't let it affect you to the point that you're not doing your job. That's like we're all affected by different shit every day. But but you still you still you still go out there you still go to work every day. I mean, and you he still is do doing his job efficiently. I don't. I well, no. I think that the GM should never have let let it got to. I don't think the GM agreed. Should, now, Howie agree Roseman should have ever allowed us to be in the scenario. You have an all talented tight end. You have a guy who won you super, who caught the ball in the Super Bowl to win you the game. He is not dropped in talent. He has not been injury prone. 
We're not talking about Alshon when it's living off your Super Bowl year or Brandon Graham living off the Super Bowl year. He's still talented. He's been available. He's been healthy. Yeah, I agree with that. You should have just paid him yeah, the, the contract he's to do. And that should have been in it. So we don't have the scenario. How 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 is the problem? He is. Howie's a lot of problems, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Howie, Emperor Howie, which is a, a joke of a GM. No, I don't call him a joke. But I will say this. So reporter Jeff McClain from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Inquirer was on 97.5 the other day, the fanatic. And he had this to say about the power dynamic in the Eagles front office and who decides the inactors and the actors for game day. And he goes as follows. I know that Howie is a voice when it comes to actors on game day. I don't know how much of a voice, but Howie is definitely a factor when it comes to that decision. Over the years, we've seen Greg Ward, wait behind Mike Mac Hollins, disgusting, who didn't see the field. Now we have Fulgham, who was behind JJ. Now, don't tell me <laughs> Howie is the reason that JJ is here and he's and he's playing over somebody like a Fulgham. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me that we have somebody like Greg Ward sitting on the wasting away on the practice squad and Mac Hollins is, is is played a whole two seasons here. May have been more. Played a whole two seasons here, to my knowledge, and these guys can't get on the field because of what? Because of the GM. That is not his job. He shouldn't be. He should not be dictating to Thank the you. coach who plays when and who plays where. That's not your job, Howie. You're not on the coaching staff. You're the general manager. Go manage something else. Okay, except besides the players. You. Like you can't do that. You can't tell it. How can a coach even? really coach to the best of his ability if he doesn't have the best players he has on the field. I would never. And if I was Doug, I would be complaining. I would be calling Jeff every day. Jeff, like, come on, Jeff. You got to do something about this. He can't keep picking the players. And, and he's missing. It's not even like, oh, yeah, I mean, he had this guy out there. He had that guy out there. He's missing. The, the right guy's Thank not you. even on the field. Now I'm starting to think the whole J.J. Arthur Whiteside pick was Howie and nobody else. Of course it was. That's ridiculous. Of course it was. He, he shouldn't have that much power. We already saw... There's no way. We already Kelly. saw, and I sent you the tweets earlier, Schwartz wanted to take, you know, Jeremy Chin yeah. in the second round. He couldn't do it. We've already, we already seen the, the several reports about how, how he's controlling these draft picks. And then we have the report of, oh, he's actually walking on game day and saying who's inactive and who's active. A man who's never played football a day in his never life. Never played football a day in his life. Never coached football. Like, come on. It's, it's out there walking to Doug Peterson, walking to, Jeff, Jeff, uh, to, to Schwartz and saying... Jim Schwartz and saying, hey, um, I don't think um, Davion Taylor, who, who we drafted, he's not going to dress it. Right. What are you and he's, been, about? he's been practicing. And, like, what are you talking about? How are we? Are you? Is, I, I don't know if he is or if he isn't, but I'm assuming here that you're not at every practice. You're not on the field at every practice, Howie. You cannot tell me who's been here every day since I got this job on the field, locked in with these guys, who's going to play and when who's going to play and who's not and where they're going to play. Where they're going to play. No. So from his, like, Roster creation to his game day influence. The only person I see who has that kind of power is Jerry Jones, who's the owner and GM of the Cowboys, who apparently goes down to yeah, when does. Jerry Jason Garrett was coaching at least. He probably does it of now. Of course he does. But we and don't says, know Oh, I need Zeke to get 18 touches. It is. That's a lose, but that's a loser franchise, though. Why would you ever emulate the power structure for a GM to a coach? Why would you ever emulate that power structure? Now I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm just like, because there have been several times this year. Where there were questionable, well, why is this person dressed? I, th I think in the Bengals game, we had every single undrafted free agent running back we had from killings to whatever. And the guy we from the Lions dressed that day. We were un we were underdressed when it comes to offensive line. Matt Pryor gets hurt. 
We're sitting there moving Jeff Driscoll around. Jeff Driscoll gets hurt. And I'm just like, well, what are we doing out here? And then we come to find out from the reports of Adam Kaplan or, and Jeff McClain, it's just how we decide what he feels like, he, how he makes a sandwich or uh, goes into the stadium, has a coffee, and says, and that's you know insane. what? I want to see more of That's insane. That makes Quest no Watkins sense. Today. That you, it's like you, you, you can't do that. You can't have that. And I feel like, I feel like uh, Mr. Lurie has to, like, you have to make that switch. You decide to put Nate Gary and you try to put Duke Rowley in your nickel packages. And it takes TJ, it takes Duke Rowley hurting himself to insert the guys you drafted in the third round. And they, and they, play, they didn't play bad. No, Sean Bradley was fantastic no, when he's gotten his short tackler, like his run stopping. Did you see him on the goal line? What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. But it took somebody getting hurt to do it. I, and I'm like, now, now people say, oh, we've been talking about Davion and and Sean for Bradley for a while. That was, was that Howie? It may have been Howie. It may have been Howie. And, and if it is Howie, it makes all the sense in the world. It makes all the sense. So Doug is not an idiot. <laughs> Let's just, let me throw that out there. Yeah, and I, and I think I see Doug. I see Doug often in press conferences, looking frustrated. And quite honestly, if I had a GM, I don't know how this dynamic continues. If you have a, a guy out there, pretty much playing Madden franchise mode, wanting to be, you mm-hmm. know, which is how he's doing in, in his mindset. He's never played, whatever. So he's trying, he thinks it's a game. It's real life. That's the person. Like, listen, this is real life. What we got this week? <laughs> Ravens. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson come into town. <laughs> we don't have no Matt Pryor. Because he's he's out. He has co- he's on the COVID list, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the Jamon Brown is starting for us. DJX is out. Slay has been cleared to play, so we do have that corner. So I guess we'll see Sean Braley or Davion Taylor by default. All this to say, we're gonna lose and be blown out. <sighs> uh, thirty-three to ten. <laughs> exactly. So, like as we said, we we've talked about game predictions or anything else and, but you can't make predictions about being informed and as we transition to the election year people in the city you gotta get informed about these ballot questions on your Philadelphia ballot uh, again voting the actual voting date is November 3rd the deadline to register to vote in yes. Pennsylvania is October 18th which is actually this uh, Monday coming up so please yeah, listen get in there but Philadelphia has four ballot questions that will be on when you open your ballot, whether, you, whether you're mailing in or whether you're going to a booth, you will see these four questions. Um, and we're going to run down through them right now and talk about them, the continuity of them. Obviously, we're not going to tell you how to vote, but stay informed, listen to them, and then like make your own decisions. Uh, so the first question is the question of stop and frisk, which is horrible. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the question reads, shall Philadelphia Home Rule Charter be, be amended to call the Philadelphia Police Department Please, please want to eliminate the practice of unconstitutional stop and frisk. Consistent with judicial precedent, meaning an officer must have reasonable suspicion that a person is engaged in criminal activity in order to stop that person. And therefore, an officer cannot stop someone unlawfully because of their race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, religious affiliation, or expression, or other protected characteristic. Um, This is all off of, in 2013, Floyd versus New York City, the district court judge Shira Shulin ruled the stop and frisk had been used in an unconstitutional manner, which is why the question is phrased as a limited practice of unconstitutional stop and frisk because it's already been ruled unconstitutional. It's just not. So you have what you have right now, and that question is, it's unconstitutional, but should we get rid of it? Which obviously, if it's unconstitutional, then get rid of it. (laughs) Um, Wow. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah, if it's unconstitutional, then we should not be here. Why is this even a question? In 2018, the ACLU determined that 32% of pat-downs in Philadelphia were done without reasonable suspicion. 
In the second half of 2018, which was last year, black residents accounted for 71% of all stop and frisk. Of all the stop and frisks that were made in 2019, less than 1% of those stops produced a contraband. That's, you see what I'm saying? And that's, that's what, that, those are and the And less results. than half of that 1%, so we're talking about 0.5%, produced a weapon. So for anybody who says, well, stop and frisk works, like, no. So you're targeting, you're all 71% black people. And you're saying you're doing it to protect the city, but then you only produce 0.5% of a weapon and 1% contraband in general, which, and obviously for ACLU, there's some of Philadelphia, it happens way too often for people of color. 70, was it 71%? Come on. 71%. Ridiculous. And you know they're being targeted. 71%, you know they're being targeted. Absolutely. The numbers don't lie. <laughs> um, it's insane. So uh, the second question is for the uh, Office of the Victim Ad- Advocacy. And the question reads, shall the Philadelphia Home Rule Charter be amended to create an Office of Victim Advocate to advocate for crime victims to work with victim services providers to coordinate, plan, train, educate, and investigate issues relating to crime victims? It created the office with main focus would be to coordinate services and promoting policies that would improve the connection to services for victims outside of the scope of criminality. So, I mean, like, in a sense of if you were to be attacked, assaulted, you're not just talking to the cops about the, the actual intricacies of your case. You're talking about, you know, okay, you're talking about your, obviously when you talk to the cop, you're talking about your trial date, you're talking about your statement, your witness statement, but there's actually like services to get you like actual help outside of things like that. Advocating for victims of crimes and as individuals, as, as a group, ensuring crime victims know their rights, promoting cooperation among agencies to serve crime victims and providing training support to agencies that interact with crime victims. So it's not just about the business of getting the person who attacked you or getting the person who robbed you behind bars. It's about making sure you're sustained, making sure you know your rights, making sure you know the services. I'm not going to tell you how to vote on that, but also this is like a common sense thing. I was about to say, <laughs> if you need me to, I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, and as we outlined before, the reason the ACLU has all this document, uh, the, they compile statistics because so the third question, which is the Police Oversight Commission, which is where they would have got the actual statistics to, if they could, to pull these 31% and everything else. So the third prompt is to create a, another commission over a PAC, which is the question is, shall the Philadelphia Home Rule Charter be amended to provide the creation of Citizens Police Oversight Commission and to authorize the council to determine the composition, powers, and duties of the commission? Um, in this city, for decades, the Police Advocate Advocacy Commission has struggled to people believe at large scale provide accountability to the police and then in Philadelphia as we know the Philadelphia Police Department is the fourth largest police force in America um, and so the accountability has been done in this city by PAC the Police Adv- Advisory Commission and what they want to do is create a Citizens Police Oversight Commission and give the council the power to determine the composition powers and everything else PAC for the years since it's been created in this city has been able to analyze policies, practices, customs of the police department, review police department policies, uh, hold public meetings, and issue uh, any issue around police matters. So we're trying to they're trying to do here is get a whole overhaul on oversight of the police department after all these mass protests, after all the police killings that's going around the country. Um, And the main issue right now, because for PAC is like they don't have enough money and access to the department's investigation reports. So in a sense of this situation, you have PAC, they're underfunded, 
they are supposed to be providing oversight for the police force in the city. Who's yep. doing that? 71% of black people will be getting pulled by stop and frisk. They can't because they're underfunded. And also when they go to police and say, oh, give me the police record report for that stop and frisk you did earlier or for any kind of time you pulled over Sean or can't, whatever, the cops are just like not giving you that report. <laughs> and so the, the feeling is that the police department and the city has administration has long crippled the commission to actually investigate what's been going on with the police department restricting access to records and police personnel. Um, and so for the third question, it's a matter of, do we just get rid of PAC, who's underfunded, who has not had the ability to get these records, who's not been able to do the oversight, rename it, reassign who's involved in it, reassign the personnel, and therefore we can maybe try to get some people new, new blood in there to exact change. Because at this point, like we said, it's the fourth largest police department in the country. And they're just not being really police or held for accountability by anyone. And not for like, but to be clear, not for a lack of not trying. They're just not underfunded. And when you try to go to, you know, the system, they get railroaded. And so the third question is really about: Do we rename it? Do we get new leadership in there? Do we try to find another way to get some oversight in this city? And obviously, we need it because of the first question, which is like seventy-one percent of black people, which is like you only get. One percent of contraband, Definitely half needed. of that, which is firearms. So clearly, it's needed. Again, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say how to vote, but like, again, we'll see. I mean, you know. So, and the fourth question. I'll be surprised. Don't be surprised though, because I said, don't be surprised though, because common sense ain't always common. Yeah, and also that you know, like we said, there's a school of thought that says, well, if you give them, if you rename it to the uh, oversight commission or whatever you would enable to uh, the police, citizen police oversight commission like h- how are they going to in fact do better work than PAC if, and they're not going to run into the same situation of you're not getting an investigation documentation you're not getting police personnel files if that's the case then what are we doing you know <laughs> um, but at this right. point it's better than doing nothing it's better I'd rather t- to go back to the sports situation I'd rather Trade South Bungling on we fold him on one week and see if he can do something to keep putting out <laughs> keep putting out their JJ Ortega White side. And actually it worked out for us. It did. So in this scenario, you either want to be a white you want to keep doing white side or you want to go out there and put Fogum or somebody else and see what see if they're better than the white side. So you can either say yes or no to that question, but at this point, they've been railroaded more the same as not gonna do anything at all. So we'll see. And the fourth question is should the city borrow $134 million? And you, it's kind of just like they want to borrow it. They need you to say yes to borrow it. And they just have to ask you to say yes. This is like a straight up routine question that anytime a city borrows money, you say yes or no. If you say yes, you decide where the money goes no. If you say no, the city doesn't get doesn't get the money across the board. And then like they're in more debt. They need the money. So yeah, I need the money. I'm a, I, I'm, a four, I'm a four yes person, but it's just kind of like we'll see. And those are the poll questions again. And then stop and frisk, making an advocacy group for crime victims, the police oversight commission uh, being reworked, and then $134 million. I could use some money. <laughs> you hear me? <laughs> I could really use some money. So, I, could, um, I could use like a, just like a they, third of that. I could just like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, if y'all say no, write in transfer to Cans McLean. I'll give you my address. I'll give you my cash app. Listen, I'll give you, my, on the give you my account and my routing number. Send it all. <laughs> Send everything you can. Write in the ballot. Um, write it in. No, because I want Candace to have the money. Absolutely, <laughs> I support that. I will work for you. I will work for you. Absolutely. Uh, 
And we get down to the fourth part of the, of the show, which is the bulletin board, which we're going to run down the current events, the news, breaking break news, everything going on in the city real quick. And the first prompt is that kids are returning to the classroom, which is like up your alley, Sean. Uh. The school district of Philadelphia will, will begin a slow phase return to in-person learning at the end of November. The first day of this in-person instruction will begin on Monday, November 30th. Students will be with complex special needs will return in January and ninth graders and students in the career technical education programs will come back in early February. So <laughs> you zoom, you zoom kids. <laughs> and I, I mean, I saw a video earlier uh, on Twitter. It was first graders, second graders were on zoom and like the, the teacher actually dropped out for real? her Wi-Fi messed up. Yeah. And the kids had this whole conversation on it, like, you know, oh, um, you know, what should we do? What should we do? And they said, oh, I, I had toast for breakfast. Toast is good. And they had this one dork in a yellow shirt, and I'm on posters on social media. And he was like, guys, you have to calm down because, you know, a teacher doesn't have Wi-Fi right now. The screen, the screen says it's recording so she can see us and she can tell your parents. He just kept saying, this, all right, Brandon, chill. Nobody care about this shit recording, dog. Like, Oh, like the black girl, the black girl was like, the little black girl was like, we ain't doing nothing but talking now. I'm like, thank you. Ain't we doing nothing crazy? Like, like, we're just talking though. Like, no, I'm just, she can see you and then she will tell your parents and then it'll be over. Like, listen, he said it four times. I said, oh, he's the one. He's the one. He's the kid in class is like, Mitch, you forgot to collect our homework. Like he's, he is the future. He's in second grade now. I see him. He is a class niche. Yo. The teacher dropped out of the Zoom, bro. <laughs> right. Let us live. Get on my back. We all that's here. Like, that's the kid you always know. The teacher always said one kid, listen, if I got to leave out, you make you be my eyes in here. That was that kid. <laughs> Remember Randall from Recess? That's him. Yeah, that was Randall. <laughs> he was like, guys, if we, if we, if you guys have to calm down, you have to, because she's going to tell your parents. And she, the black girl was like, she don't even have my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> She don't even have my number, dog. I don't I care. Can't tell my parents. <laughs> can't tell my parents. You get my number, sis. Like, come on. Uh, and so, for all you kids out there, including Brandon in a yellow shirt, your time of terror is over November 30th because you guess what, Brandon? You can worry about the teacher. Drop out the Zoom. Because you be back in class boy. with them building blocks. Yeah, don't be don't be that guy. Don't, you don't want to be that kid, man. Be th- show a little thoroughness. Just a little bit. Calm down, baby. Calm down. It's 8 in the morning. Relax. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> First period. God damn. The next prompt, fans will be back in the Lincoln Financial Field under guidelines set forth by the National Football League and public health experts and upon the approval of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. In the city of Philadelphia, the Eagles have finalized plans that will lead to the lead to limited capacity at Lincoln Financial Field starting this Sunday against the Ravens in which they'll watch a bloodbath murder. The stadium occupancy will be limited to 7,500 total people, which includes players, coaches, teams, and stadium personnel, media, and fans. So if you have 7,500, that means that yes, between everybody. the players, coaches, personnel, yeah. that 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 lost like 4,500 fans, like 5,000 5, fans yeah. stealing because you get that lot for everybody Which else I think is enough. Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend in the skybox screaming. <laughs> and so you can't just have everybody else. But it's, a, it's an improvement, right, Sean? I mean, they have, games, they have fans at the Steelers game, and you know this – I've watched college football. I'm gonna ask you. I've watched college football and I watch NFL. Obviously, um, fans were notable in stadiums that allowed them. So, yeah. anytime you can get them in there, I mean, I don't, your own brother letter that the reason that they lost the Gators, the Gators lost because it was <laughs> fans. Of the fans. <laughs> no, brother, you just lost. Yeah, I just lost. Uh, but, 
But, you know, fans helping the elements. Um, if you can get 5,000 Eagle fans in there, drunk and belligerent, yelling. Not this week because it won't, like we said, it won't help us. But it's a good, <laughs> it's a nice step. It's a nice it's a good step first to get fans right. in there. It's a good first step. Especially if you're a season ticket holder. You're paying money into the season t- ticket holder pod. You get, you know, why, yeah, by all means. Yeah. Um, so that's a good thing. I, for one, would not be at that stadium, but it's just me. Probably not at all. But No, nah, I won't me. be there this season. Uh, you won't catch me here this season. Uh, I could I be lying. Not, I won't be there this you week, won't catch me here this season. I won't be there this week. And honestly, I don't know what's going to happen with the Sixers. They said the NBA might start um another semi- small bubbles, smaller bubbles again as opposed to – so I don't even know. The last, I don't even know next time I'm going to be a Wells Fargo for the Sixers game because they said the NBA is looking into doing, like, regional bubbles and then doing really? another bubble. So. That's just to let you guys know in the pod. Yeah. So are they still? At first, they were like, "There's no chance we're going to another bubble." They said, in when they first went to the bubble, they were like, "There's no way we're doing this next year." And now that the COVID is kind of respiking, the second wave or third wave of COVID is happening right now. They there was a meeting this weekend. They were kind of just like, "We can, we we're gonna." They didn't say no, but they, it went from no chance in the in the world, no chance in Oprah's America. Are we going to do a bubble again? And now it's become we're going to look into doing what? What, what it look like to do a regional bubble? What would that look like? And so the the, the barometer switch, I guess, would look like. Yeah, you know, obviously the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Nets, and et cetera, will be in one regional bubble. And depending on where you yeah. are, that's, that's how it would be like a pod. And they would let players go home. They would play two weeks and then let them go home for a little bit and then come back to the bubble after they pass the testing because they the biggest detractor was that players wouldn't be away from their family for so long. Yeah. So they're allowing for, you do the regional bubble, you play the games, you go home for a couple of weeks, and you come back and like pre-all-star break, whatever you know, come back again, and you just keep doing that rotation until we get to a finals bubble, and which is, will be similar to Orlando. Right, 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 right. If it can use the spike. So for right now, Eagles, Eagles fans are in the stadium, but Sixers fans, I guess we'll see you in 2022, potentially. Because um, I doubt... Are they... uh? Are they looking to come back in January? The actual start date for the NBA is supposed, is supposed to be after Martin Luther King Day, after Martin Luther King Day, or actual Martin Luther King Day. So that's January twentieth. So oh, okay. The draft obviously was in November, so we're moving right along. Uh, hopefully, Embiid has got on the Peloton or whatever he saw the commercial in. <laughs> it's getting in shape. <laughs> I don't know. Embiid uh, um, eating a cheeseburger right now. Speaking yeah, of eating a cheeseburger, eating anything it is Black Restaurant Week in Philadelphia. Ah, I see what I did there. Yeah, nice segue. <laughs> uh, it's Black Restaurant Week in Philadelphia. You celebrate African, Caribbean, and African American foods, restaurants, and chefs during the annual Black Restaurant Week, which begins, which began today, which is this Friday, and so t- October sixteenth, and it ends on the twenty fifth of October. You can score deals on meals and more at fifteen Black owned restaurants and food trucks throughout the city. With each spot crafting a special menu featuring discount breakfast, brunch, lunch, and/or dinner menus. Choose casual fifteen to twenty five dollars. Uh, for the casual diner or fine dining, fine dining for thirty-five to forty-five dollars. Participating restaurants include Axum Cafe, Booker's Restaurant and Bar on Baltimore Avenue, Angry Deacon's Ribs in Spring Garden, Alina's Cafe in Germantown, and much, much more. Like we said, it's fifteen places. So, if you please go to BlackRestaurantWeek.com to look it up, um, and they will be doing tons of things this week. And honestly, please support. <laughs> please. Support. Oh, I'm gonna definitely support. I'm definitely supporting. Believe that. Y'all better support too. Yeah. You got support the fly zone, support Black Restaurant Week. And so that's the one. And then we cannot deny it is Halloween season. I have seen, I've watched two Halloween movies so far, so I'm, I'm only to get past. 
Um, <laughs> uh, Haunt Halloween Bar is reopened in Center City. Center City's Spooky Pocket Bar, Haunt Halloween Bar, returns for year two. Now larger venue in first floor, and former, which is the former Irish pub Pearl Tavern, with full menus and delicious dishes to pair with the bevy of Halloween-themed cocktails. And new this year is a fun Witch's Brew on Sunday. It's a Witch's Brew brunch, which is open through it's open November through November first. You can also get seven dollar blackberry or blood orange mimosas, ten dollar spicy bloody marys, and plus all of specialty cocktails. That is at Eleventh and Walnut Street. And so, if you were into looking at a Halloween themed bar with Halloween themed things, haunt Halloween bar is where you should go. Me, I'm like doing it. my own thing. I mean, I will stop by some Halloween places. Like I said, I've watched two Halloween movies. I had watched the Netflix Haunting on Blind Manor. I watched it in a day. It was what it, with the lights on. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> I started that. Uh, I started that series Dark too. Yeah. Yeah, I actually just started the uh, first episode of the second season before we started recording. And so I'm saying between that and uh, also like Lovecraft Country holding me down for Halloween, I got the spooky in me. Are you a Halloween person? Uh, I'm. Eh, eh, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, I, when I was younger, I did. I was in the Halloween. Um, but now it's just kind of like it is what it is. I probably will be more into it probably whenever I have kids. <laughs> I am. I was a Halloween person in college because of the parties. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. will go to Halloween bars. I I like to dress up. I like Halloween. There's no shade to it. And everything else. Um, I do yeah. not like to be scared out of my mind. When I went to Eastern State Penitentiary years ago. I already told you the story. I was I, I ran through there like you saying bolt and I sprinted the whole way out of there. I couldn't do it anymore. Um <laughs> ha- might have yeah, something to do with the actual way. Jack Daniels, I tell you, but whatever. Um <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> so like we said, Halloween's a couple weeks away. Election election day is coming to wrap this whole thing up. That is a bulletin board again. Um returning to class on November thirtieth, fans in the stadium for the Eagles game. We have no idea about the Sixers Sixers at all. Black Restaurant Week <laughs> and Haunt Halloween Bar. Get your Hocus Pocus on. Yeah, great movie. Anyway. Get your Hocus Pocus on, baby. Um, So I have been one of your hosts. This is Cans McLean. And shout out to who I'm with here. Deshaun the Connect Carter. And this is episode eight, Sean. Episode eight, baby. We rolling. We <laughs> rolling. Stay safe Lock out there. Stay safe out there. And I'll, again, PPA, middle finger. <laughs> Have a a great time, you guys. Have a good week. Peace.